Jesus' name. Amen. What an awesome presence of the Lord we feel in this place. If you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter number 8. And uh, I believe the Lord, Lord's been working differently with me lately. He's been, uh, the last few times I've preached, it's like a few nights before, as soon as my head hits the pillow, God starts giving me some, I'm scrambling for my phone, can't go to sleep, got to write this down. And Thursday night, the Lord spoke some things into my heart I want to share with you today. I believe that God is calling us, calling us to a deeper place of worship, a deeper place of prayer. Amen. We're living in the last days, and God is calling us back to some things that perhaps we have left along the way. I want to preach to you today, 2 Kings chapter number 8. I want to say real quick, Doris, it's good to have you back in church. Amen. We love Doris. Y'all watch out pretty soon. She's got two new knees. Pretty soon she's going to be running the aisles. Y'all just clear out of the way because she's getting a praise back. Amen. Amen. 2 Kings chapter number 8. It says, Now Elisha had said to the woman whose son he had restored to life, Arise and depart with your household and sojourn wherever you can. For the Lord has called for a famine, and it will come upon the land for seven years. And so the woman arose and did according to the word of the man of God, and she went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines for seven years. She left everything that she had behind for seven years. Verse 3 says, at the end of the seven years, when the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, she went to appeal to the king for her house and for her land. She wanted it back. So she goes to the king. Now the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, tell me all the great things that Elisha has done. And while he was telling the king how Elisha had restored the dead to life, Behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life appeared uh, to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman. Here is her son whom Elisha restored to life. And listen, when the king asked the woman, she told him. And so the king appointed an official for her, saying, Restore all that was hers, together with all the produce of the fields from the day that she left the land until now. She left it behind and she lost it. But when she came back, it was restored. Today, this title is not going to make sense to you for a moment. But I want to preach to you from this subject. Bring back the song. Bring back the song. I just believe somebody is here today. Perhaps you lost your song somewhere along the way. But I hear the Spirit saying, bring back the song. Can we just lift our hands and pray, Lord? God, we just ask you to have your way in this place right now. God, for the next few minutes, I pray that you open hearts, minds, and spirits and begin to minister to us according to your will. In the name of Jesus, we pray your kingdom come, your will be done. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I want to start off by saying that everyone experiences the unmistakable frustration of losing things. Can I get an amen? 
Any losers in the house today? Amen. A few years ago, I lost the key to my vehicle. I was driving a Jeep at the time, and I tore the house apart, searched through all of our vehicles. Some of you are living it as I'm speaking it right now. You're, you're there with me because you've been there. I tore everything in the house apart. I searched through both of our vehicles, walked the driveway over and over again, retraced my steps. I carefully sorted through the junk drawers. I don't know why. <laughs> I didn't put it in there, but I thought, well, maybe somebody threw it in there. I, I, I interrogated the children. Did you get my key? Did you play with my key? I did everything you're supposed to do in order to find something that you lost. And it was all in vain. I could not find it. I ended up having to call Papa Lock. And they came out to the house and made me a $300 new key. Man, it hurt. <laughs> I was frustrated, angry, and baffled all at the same time. My key was unexplainably gone. I paid the toll and moved on. Weeks and months passed by and I forgot all about it. Until one day, Jira walks into the house and says, Whose key is this, Dad? What? She had found the key to my Jeep. And I made her show me. I said, Where did you get that? She said, It was out in the yard. I said, You show me where. And she led me by the hand out into the yard, walked me to the driveway, took two steps off of the driveway near where the back of my Jeep would have been. And she pointed to the exact spot and said, it was right here, Dad. Now listen, I had passed by that spot a hundred times that day and never saw it. I, I, I never thought to look in the grass. I was on the pavement. I thought, well, where, you know, maybe it fell out of my pocket. or I was. All of a sudden, when she showed me the spot, I remembered. Has that ever happened to you? I remember. It was the day that Jaira had got a hoverboard. I knew those things were of the devil. <laughs> she got a hoverboard. And I got out of my car that day. And I must have set my key on the bumper because I was so excited to try out the hoverboard. And somehow in the process of playing with the kids, the key got knocked into the grass. Never to be seen again, at least for a few months. She found it, and I had lost it. Somehow, it wasn't very far from where I left it. Isn't that how it is with lost things? We've all lost things. We've misplaced wallets, phones, glasses, keys. Some of us have even lost our children temporarily. And there is a universal principle that applies when you find yourself missing something that you once had in your hands. In order to get back what you lost... You have to go back to where you left it. In order to get back the thing that you're missing, you've got to go back to where you left it. The key wasn't far from where I had left it. I'm going to give you a little bit of mama's advice. Whenever you lose something, what does mama say? Where's the last place you left it? <laughs> go back to where you left it. Go back to where you had it in your hands. And trace back the moment that you left it behind. Because in order to get back what you lost, you have to go back to where you left it. Now listen, for eight years, the noted recording artist Sting didn't write a song. He lost his ability to write songs. He had writer's block for eight years. One day, the songs stopped coming, he revealed in his TED Talk. Day after day, you face a blank page and nothing is coming. And those days turned to weeks, and those weeks turned to months, and 
Pretty soon, he said, those months have turned into years with very little to show for your effort. No songs. Apparently, it was following the release of his album, Sacred Love, in 2003. And his writer's block stretched on for eight full years. He certainly didn't abandon music. He was traveling, singing his hits, doing concerts, but no songs were coming. Nothing new was materializing. And for the songwriter, it was rough and prompted some soul searching. And it turns out that probing his psyche to figure out what was going on with his craft was precisely what he needed to inspire new songs. He needed to deal with the childhood reality of his life in walls in England and the shipyard that had loomed over his home and over his life. As a young man, he had been terrified that he would end up working in that shipyard and never becoming anything more. And now he needed to go back and confront that fear once and for all. And it's ironic, he says, that the landscape I had worked so hard to escape from and the community that I had more or less abandoned should be the very landscape, the very community that I'd returned to in order to find my missing muse. He says, as soon as I decided to honor the community that I came from, the songs started to come back, and they came back fast. Does anybody hear me in the Holy Ghost today? That when he went back to where he left, he found what he had lost. The song started coming again. He was at a standstill. But he had to go back before he could move forward. And I'm preaching to some people that are stuck in this house today. You're stuck spiritually. You're stuck in your prayer life. You come and you sit on pews in a church and you're stuck in your worship. And I've come here today to tell you that sometimes the way that you move forward is by looking back. Sometimes the way that you find your song again is by going back to where you left it. He lost his song, but he was able to find it again when he began looking back where he came from. And you know what our problem is? Is many times when we have lost something, we're looking in all the wrong places to recover it. When loss looms large and when the pain of what we no longer have is too clear, we don't need to look forward. We need to learn to look back. Peter spoke to the church at large in his two letters and said, I am writing to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Peter used the word remembrance four times in three chapters. He said that he would not be negligent to put them in remembrance, though they already knew the truth. He saw it as his job and as his duty to remind them of where they had come from. He said, I won't be negligent to put you in remembrance. He said, I want to stir you up. By putting you in remembrance. He was saying that you settled, church. You forgot what God did for you. You settled on your lees. But he said, I'm going to stir it back up in your life by helping you to remember what God has done for you. He said that he would endeavor that they would always remember, even after his death. He said, my ministry is unmistakable, is that when I leave this earth, I want the New Testament church to know where they came from, to know what God did for them, to know how God brought them out, to know what God brought them through. Even after I'm gone, I want you still to remember. And finally, he said that he would stir up their pure minds by making them 
to remember. Peter was pounding the nail deep that the way forward for the church could only be found by looking back. The way forward to the things that God wanted to do in the church could only be found by looking back. We need to remember where we came from. And lately God has been stirring my mind about where I came from. And it's, it's all because of hearing an 80s hip-hop song on the radio. We were in some store, and I heard a song, and it kind of sounded like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And if I start rapping it right now, some of you will know it in West Philadelphia, born and raised. All my help's coming. On the playground is where I spent most of my days. My kids were looking at me like I was crazy. I thought it was because they thought, man, my dad can really rap. But it set me on a path. I started thinking back. We were riding in the car and I was rapping that song. And then uh, I started thinking back to the days of DC Talk when I was just a preteen. I got any DC Talk people in here? I know Summer, if I need you to, I may need you to help me with some lyrics here in a minute. I was in the car, and I was like, you kids want to, you know, they're always, my, my son especially, Roland loves rap. He's always talking about rap, Lecrae this, you know, this one, that. And, and I was like, here's some real rap. Let me, let me take you back to the beginning of this thing. Let's kick it back old school style. And I, I pulled up on YouTube some old DC Talk songs from before they went rock and roll. That made me mad. They came out with Jesus Freak, and I was upset as a 12-year-old because that's not who they were. They were rap. And so I started scrolling through the songs, and there was a song on there called Love is a Verb. And I was like, man, I forgot all about that song. Anybody ever have that happen? Forgot all about it. I mean, I forgot the song existed. But the moment that I started playing it again, I was 12 years old again with a big boombox in my room saying, Hey, haven't you heard? <laughs> Love is a serious word. And all of a sudden, the words started coming back to me. Some of y'all saw it. My wife was generous enough to post it on Instagram without my permission. <laughs> but all of a sudden, I, I started getting the words back. And I started getting my song back. That was my jam back in the day. I started getting it back. I hadn't heard or thought about those words in years. But all of a sudden, the song transported me back to right where I was and all of the emotions and all of the things that were going on in my life and all the, the stuff that God did for me as just a young teenager. I know it sounds crazy because we didn't sing no DC Talk in church, but it just took me back. All of a sudden, I had my song back and one wasn't enough. One wasn't enough. I had to play the next one too. And man, for about 30 minutes, man, we had a time. We had a Holy Ghost time going back, DC talk, kicking it DCT style. <laughs> Simple song that took me down a road of remembrance. And I, I thought beyond DC talk to the church that I grew up in. I was transported back. I started to remember some things that I haven't thought about in a while. See, my church was not, was not uh, put together growing up. Castle Hills United Pentecostal Church. Let me just say it this way. We was wild, y'all. You come to church on a Sunday night, you never know what you're going to see. Some are doing somersaults, some are running aisles. I mean, we had people 
they, they, when, when we say worship, we, we raise our hands. They were crazy praise. I'm telling you. And it was all the time. And not in a, a contrived or put on way. They were, these were people who had been delivered from drugs and alcohol. They weren't the rich. They weren't. And, and our church was not just a, a, a bunch of pretty uh, upper class people sitting and, and, and just talking about this Jesus that we believe in. No, it was people who had been pulled out of the pit of sin, who had been delivered. There were ex-drug addicts and ex-Satanists and all, all sorts of people in our church. And so they, they got a little crazy when they started to praise. <laughs> And I started thinking back. It wasn't just the worship. But I started thinking back to my youth group when I was about 12 years old. Uh, we didn't have Sunday night service. And, and some of the teenagers decided, you know what? We've got Sunday nights free. Let's get together and pray. And it started with about five or six. And I heard about it. My older siblings were going. So I go, well, I'm in. I want to go because we go pray. And then we play basketball afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I want to go to prayer meeting. <laughs> yeah, take me along. But it grew from about 6 to about 10, 11, 12. Pretty soon it grew to about 40 or 50 young people without an adult calling a prayer meeting, without anybody else saying, y'all need to do this. We said it. We started showing up. And guess what? The youth pastor had to start coming because there was too many young people. But those Sunday night prayer meetings, they grew. And they didn't just grow in number. They grew in depth because it was in that fellowship hall of that church that God began to first use me in the gifts of the Spirit. It was in the fellowship hall of that church that I began to work out the early moments of the calling of God on my life. It was on those Sunday nights that we began to touch the throne without mom and dad having to be there. Without a pastor in our face telling us, this is what you need to do. No, but I just started to remember and think back to the things that God did for me and the things that God did in me. And all of a sudden, I started feeling a yearning for some things that I might have lost along the way. Some stuff that I might have left behind along the way. I I know someone, he feels what I'm preaching today. Because we all can look back to moments in our life where God was doing some great things. Where we were praying like we never prayed before. Where we were worshiping like we never worshiped before. And, And along the way, by no intention of our own, we walk away from some things. And we leave some things behind. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that if you want to get back what you lost, you've got to go back to what you left. It's a principle in life. It's just a principle of truth that we need to know. That, that we, when we lose things because we leave them behind. If you've lost the love you once had in your marriage, it's often because you left behind what made you fall in love In the first place, if you used to work out and stay active and you're not in shape anymore, somebody hear me in the Holy Ghost. (laughs) I'm not looking nowhere. (laughs) If you lost your shape, it's because you left behind healthy habits that kept you in shape. And unfortunately, you can't get in shape after a few months of working out and stay that way forever. If you leave the habit, you lose the benefit. Leaving is losing. If you used to have a good income with benefits and you leave your job, guess what? You lose your salary and you lose your benefits. If you leave it, you lose it. And leaving is losing. 
And that's exactly what the scripture shows us in 2 Kings chapter 8. Elisha tells this woman whose son she had healed that she needs to leave her house and land because seven years of famine are coming. And so she gathers up all of her things and her little family and they depart into the land of the Philistines for seven years. She left behind her house. She left behind her history. She left behind her property. She left everything behind. And because she left it behind, she lost it. For seven years, she's living in another land. And so she forfeits her rights to retain what once belonged to her. Someone else moved into her house. Someone else came along and built on her land. She left it, so she lost it. Finders keepers, losers weepers, right? Too bad. So sad, you left it, now it's mine. At the end of the seven years, the woman realized the famine is over now. And she wants back what she's lost. And so she starts thinking about what she used to have. She starts remembering the life that she used to have. She remembers where she used to live. It's been a long time, but she begins to long for what she used to have. And she thought about the little house where her son was healed. It was where he learned to take his first little steps. She started thinking about all the good times and the laughter around the table. The little room that they built in the back for the prophet of God whenever he came through. She starts remembering the blessings that she used to have. And she realized that it was time to get back what she had lost. And so, what did she do? The Bible says she arose and grabbed her family in tow. And she went back to the land that she had left behind. She returned from the land of Philistines and appeared before the king to make an appeal that the king would restore her what she had lost. And, and isn't God's timing amazing? Because when she comes back, Gehazi, who is Elisha's assistant, is standing before the king, and the king say, Tell me some stories about Elisha. Tell me how he raised the dead. And he begins to tell this story about how this woman had a son, and his head was hurting one day, my head, my head, and that he fell down, and this woman picked him up and laid him on his bed in the prophet's chamber, and she went to find where the prophet was. And when she walked up to him, he said, Is everything all right? And she said, It is well with my soul. It's well with my soul. Everything's going to be okay. Why? Because I know where to go in time of trouble. And he starts telling the story about how she came to Elisha. And Elisha said, I, just go and your son will be well. She said, no, 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 it's well. You're coming with me, preacher. <laughs> and she brings him back home. And Elisha laid upon the child's body who had breath had left his body. But the Bible says that when the prophet laid upon him, that life came back into his body. And he was raised again. And as he's telling the story, this woman busts through the doors of the king's chamber. She's come to get back what she lost. And when she comes back, here's uh, Elisha's assistant, Gehazi, talking about what God did in her past. Talk about divine alignment. And Gehazi's blown away. He's like, you're never going to believe this. That's her. This is the lay. Look, I'm not a liar. She's right here. Ask her. Ask her what God did. And listen, the king says, this is her. Oh, yeah, that's her. That, it's you, ma'am? Yep, that's, that was me. God did that for me. And when he hears that it's her, 
He asks why she's come. She says, I've come to get back my land and my house. The prophet told me to leave, but I'm coming back to get back what I have lost. And when he hears it, the king assigns an official to her. And he says, I don't only want you to give back what she lost. I want you also to restore to her what she would have had if she had never left it in the first place. I don't want you just to give back her house and kick whoever's living in there out. I want you to give back her house and her land and the produce of the land that she would have received if she had never left. Is anybody preaching between the lines today? Because when you come back to what you left, you can get back what you lost. When you come back to the prayer life that you left behind, God is gracious enough and God is merciful enough and God is good enough not to just give you back what you lost, but to give you back what you would have had if you never left it. My Lord, I feel like preaching today. You see... We left some things behind that we need to get back. And this passage is a perfect example of the principle I'm preaching about. She wanted to get back what she lost. And in order to get back what you lost, you've got to go back to what you left. As a society, hear me today, we've left behind morality. We left behind modesty. We've lost the fear of God because we've left those things behind. And the only way to get back what we lost... It's to go back to what we left. As a society, we've walked away from fearing God to following our own desires. And so we've lost our direction. Our world has left behind decency and traded it for divisive politics. And as a result, we have lost our unity and we've lost our identity. If we want back what we lost, we've got to go back to what we left. It's not just in the world. But we've lost some things in the church too. In the modern church, we've lost some things because we've left some things. In our pursuit of progress, we have forgotten what got us here. Slick mantras and well-organized ministry methods did not get us to where we are today. Hear me in the Holy Ghost. Pentecostalism began with a sweeping move of the Spirit that transcended racial, ethnic, and socioeconomic barriers. People came to God because they were hungry, not because they were impressed. People came looking for a move of God, not because they had a great ministry set up at the church. Come on, I'm all for progress. I'm all for doing everything as excellently as we can. But we, Peter said, we've got to stir ourselves up by remembering. We've got to remember when we didn't have it all. When we didn't know it all. When we didn't think that we had it all figured out. We've got to go back to the time where we relied on the Holy Ghost to do a work. My goodness. Somebody say, if I want back what I lost... I've got to go back to what I left. I've got to go back. Do we want excellence in the ministry? Absolutely. But if we want what we used to have, we've got to go back to what we left. Is there just anybody here who remembers a time in the church that you wish you could turn the dial back to? Amen. A time spiritually where God was doing some stuff in your life that you you just sometimes find yourself wishing that I could just turn the dial back. I'm here to preach to you today that you can. You can. Because if you want what you lost, all you've got to do is come back to what you left. That's all you've got to do is just come back 
to what you left. Hear me today. You cannot leave holiness and not lose godliness. You cannot leave prayer and not lose power. You cannot leave praise and worship and not lose the manifest presence of God. You cannot leave separation and not lose distinction. You can't leave your first love without losing something. In Revelation 2, God writes to the church at Laodicea. And He says, I have somewhat against you because you left your first love. He said, you left it. You still love God, but you don't love Him like you used to love Him. You still serve God, but you don't serve Him like you used to serve Him. And you hear what God says to him. God says, because you've left your first love, if you do not repent and return back to where your first love was, He says, I will remove your candlestick. Because you leave something, you lose something. And listen, it doesn't always happen immediately. It doesn't always happen overnight. The Laodiceans were traveling along thinking that everything was just fine. That everything was just as it had always been. And they didn't realize that they had left behind a passion for the things of God. And they didn't realize that while they were leaving their first love, they were losing their candlestick. Now, I'm not going to get too deep into the theology, but the candlestick was the representation of the light of truth in their church. And I don't care how straight your doctrine is. If you separate doctrine from love, it will be no time until the light goes out. And he said, you're losing your light. You're losing your candlestick because you left your first love. You can't leave something without losing something. And if you're here today and you're wanting something back, you've got to go back to where you were when you left it. If there's something we've lost, it's because there's something we've left. And if we want to get back what we lost, we've got to return to what we left. I know I'm saying it a lot, but I want to drive it in deep today. Listen, if you've lost your joy, you need to return to praise. If you've lost your joy, you've got to return to praise. If you've lost your hope, you've got to return to looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. If you've lost some stuff and you've been praying to God saying, what happened? How did I end up here? If you've lost it, you've got to return. If you've lost your victory, you've got to return to obedience. If you've lost your passion, you've got to return to your purpose. And I'm here to tell you that that little woman understood something that we don't understand. Is when she started thinking about, about how good and how blessed it was. She said, I'm not staying here. I'm going back. I'm getting back to where I used to be. I love that old house. I remember where my little boy took his first little steps. I'm going back because I want to return to the level of blessing and favor that God had on me there. I want to go back to the things that I've lost. And so she comes out of the land of the Philistines. Listen, it doesn't matter how far or what kind of land you've been living in. You can always come back home. You can always come back home. She said, I'm leaving the land of the Philistines and I'm coming back home. And when she gets back home, she doesn't just assume that it's her. She said, take me to the king. Because the king can restore what I've lost. And the king can give me back my joy. The king can give me back my praise. The king can give me back my victory. The king can heal my marriage. 
The king can direct my life. Take me to the king. Because the king can restore it if you'll return to it. You can have it back. Somebody say, it's, I can have it. You just got to go back to what you left. In order to get back what you lost. I'm coming to a close. I, if you'll help me with the music. I want to remind you of the story of the prodigal son in the close of this message. I want to remind you. The Bible says that there came a day when he thought that he didn't need to be where he was anymore. He comes to his father and he says, Father, divide, divide unto me my inheritance. Give, give me my part of my inheritance. And the father gives it to him. And the son goes away into a far country, the scripture says. King James says, there he wasted his life with riotous living. In other words, he was in a club, not in the church. <laughs> he wasn't going to Bible study meetings. He left home. He left the father's house. And he went into a country and began to live to please himself, to follow his deepest heart's desire. And he didn't realize it, Brother Darrell, but the moment that he left, he was destined to lose. He went, and the word prodigal means wasteful. That's all it means. It just means wasteful. He there wasted what the Father had given him in another land. And he didn't see the bank account, Brother Joseph. He didn't notice that balance. Now, some of y'all, y'all like me, every charge that hits that account, you see it happen. <laughs> you check it. You calling honey on the phone. Uh, did, you, did, you, did you just buy something from her? Was that you? Not him. However, he didn't know how much he was losing by leaving. And he left it all behind and wasted his life in riotous living. And it doesn't always catch up with you. You know, you can leave a prayer life and, and still feel the presence of God for a little while. You can leave worshiping and still enjoy the blessings and the benefits of being in a church where others are worshiping for a little while. You can stop going to church and still retain your faith for a little while. But understand this, when you lose it, eventually you're going to, or when you leave it, eventually you're going to lose it. And so finally the day came where he ran the debit card and it came back declined. No more drinks for you, no more friends for you, no more fun for you. He's flat broke, far from the Father, has nothing with which to feed himself or to sustain himself. And so he goes and he finds a job and he ends up working in the pig pen, living in the muck and the mire. He fain did fill his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. In other words, he's eating the pig's food. He's living like a pig in the land of the Jews. Now you think about that. He's at the lowest of the low because of what he left behind. And one day, in the middle of the muck, he started thinking back. He started remembering. He started remembering those mornings waking up and smelling the coffee and the waffles coming from the kitchen at Dad's house. Some of y'all can relate. He woke up one day 
And he started thinking about all the times him and his dad went out in the yard and played ball a little bit. He started thinking about those meals that were prepared in his father's house, how the family would gather around the table. And he started remembering how good it was back where he left everything behind. And he started remembering how the servants were fed in his father's house. Here he was eating a uh, a diet that pigs eat, just living off of pig scraps. And he remembers that the servants were more well-fed as slaves than he is as a free man. And so he came to himself, the Bible says, and he said, I will arise and go to my father's house. I will arise and go back home because even a slave in the father's house eats better than a servant in the pig's pen. And we know the story well. He gets himself up out of the muck and out of the mire, not knowing what the father will say, not knowing what kind of reception he will get. And he makes his way back to the house of the father. And the Bible says that when he was yet a great way off, not even close, not even close to being back yet, not even close to having returned yet, he was still a great way off. And the father saw him and he ran to him and met him right where he was. The scripture says that the father fell upon him and he cried out to his servants and he said, my son has returned. Thus, my son was dead, but now he lives again. He didn't call him a slave. He didn't call him a servant. He didn't give him a three-point lecture on how he had messed his life up. He didn't ask him a series of questions, making sure that he was serious about the move. He just ran to him, and with his grace and his mercy, he fell on him, and he restored to him the thing that he had really lost. He said, look at how he's dressed. He's got no clothes, but bring out the best robe and put it on my son. Bring out the ring and put it on his finger. That is the symbol of authority. He said, bring out the fattened calf. We're going to feed this boy because he lost it all. But he's come back home. And if you come back home, you can get back what you lost. If you return to what you lost, you can get back what you I can't help but think that there's somebody here today. They just want their joy back. They just want their praise back. They just want their worship back. They just want the song back. I'm here to tell you it's time to bring back the song in your life. How do you bring it back? You gotta go back to where you started. You gotta go back to where you began. You gotta get back to that first moment that you gave your heart to Jesus. You've got to return back to your first love. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have it all straight. All you've gotta do is say, I'm coming back home. I wonder in the close of this service if somebody would raise their hand and say, I want to come back to some things. Lord, I'm tired of living in lesser than I know. 
I'm tired of living in lesser than you want for me. Come on. I want to invite you to the altar just to step up here on a Labor Day weekend for a few moments. Somebody ought to step out in faith and say, I might have left it and lost it, but I'm getting it back today. I'm returning back today. I'm coming back to the altar. I'm coming back to the place where I first started. Come on. Somebody step out of the altar. Church, lead the way. Lead the way. I'm coming back to the anointing that I once had. I'm coming back to the glory. I'm coming back to God using me like He used to use me. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. I'm coming home. Come on, that's it. Father, right now, I pray in this house that the restoring Spirit of God would begin to sweep into this room and begin to let the embers burn again. God, let the passion begin to be fired over again, God. I pray right now that somebody would find what they've been missing in the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. Would you reach to heaven and say, Lord, I'm coming back home.